Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness this morning. Lord, you are so faithful. Always faithful. Father, we give you all glory and honor and praise this morning. Lord, I pray as we open your word that your Holy Spirit would speak as Jesus said. He'd come as our helper. He would be uh, the one that would give us revelation into truth. Lord, he said he would show us all truth. And Father, I just pray that you would speak, that you would open ears to hear, that you would open hearts to receive, Lord, that you would transform our lives. Lord, that you would continue that process of sanctification and justification, Lord, that the work that you started, you're going to complete in all glory and all honor and all praise to you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. If you came in this morning and didn't get one of the little bags, we would love for you to pick up one of those on the way out. It's just our way of welcoming you and giving you a small gift and some information about the church. Well, before we get into the word this morning, I just want to take a moment and I was going to address something that um, has happened the last couple of weeks uh, regarding tongues. And some of you may know what I mean by that word. Some of you may not have any clue what I'm talking about. Um, the, that's something that we call, that's a biblical principle that, that God set in place that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a gift that he gives to some people. Um, it's, it can be a prayer language. It can be something that's personal uh, that you, you do um, in your own prayer time. Uh, there's uh, passages that talk about how God... Uh, have you ever had a situation where you didn't know what to pray? You know, that you're just in a place of hurt or pain or confusion. And um, I know there's been times where I, the passage actually says even groanings or utterings. I know I've been in places of hurt where all I can do is basically cry out in pain. And what the scripture says is that the Holy Spirit can give us words in that time to pray things that we don't even know need to be prayed. Um, and that that's a personal prayer language. Um, I would say almost every Sunday during worship, I, I practice that. It's something that, that I just, because I don't know what to pray. And I'm saying, Lord, you know things that I don't know, and so I'm going to worship you in that way, and you, you pray what you need to pray to, to do what you need to do. Um, but that's not for everybody. It's not for the whole congregation. And we're going to look at a passage here in a moment that talks about when, when a word like that is given to a whole body, whether it be a small group in a house or a congregation like this, what the scripture says about those situations. So in um, January 8th, um, so this was a few weeks ago, we had a word given in the first service. Uh, and there wasn't an interpretation given in the service, but afterward there was two people that came up and gave an interpretation of what they felt God was saying. And I was actually planning on giving those interpretations uh, on the 15th of January and actually even had it in my sermon notes and all that, but that morning felt like God said that it wasn't supposed to be shared that day. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, you'll let me know when it's time. Well, then last Sunday we had another uh, word given in the second service, but there was no interpretation. Um, and as I was praying and looking at uh, talking about that this morning, I felt like God said, now address that other one as well. Um, so 
like I said, there was a, uh, two interpretations given after the service uh, from two different individuals. One individual had a picture of Jesus in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you're not aware of that story or account in the Bible, and there was three men that, that, uh, who were Jewish, and the king had said, you've got to bow down to this statue that I've made, and if you don't, I'm going to throw you in this fire. And they said, well, we're not going to bow down. We're only going to serve God. And they said, if you... You know, God can save us. If he does, great. If not, we'll go to heaven. You know, it's like, but we're not going to bow down to your idol. And so they threw them in the fire, um, and, and they did not die. There was a fourth man that appeared. The fourth man was Jesus Christ. And even the king recognizes that and says, it looks like a god um, that's with them. And so they get up, walk around, they come out. And it says they don't even smell like smoke. Um, did you know you can't even sit around a campfire and not smell like smoke? But so even that was miraculous. Um, so they, they saw that picture along with the word that Jesus is present with us, whatever we may be going through. He is with us. And then the second interpretation, uh, it was similar to that. And this was special because it actually came from one of our children. And they heard that everything is going to be all right and that God was going to do a work in our church. Different words, but similar meaning, you know. Um, and neither one of the, neither were given publicly, so they didn't talk, and they gave them separate, but they were on the same, you know, thing. So, and we've had that happen before. Some of the other times that it's happened, we've had multiple interpretations, um, and some came later that didn't know about the other one, and they all lined up. Um, so last Sunday, as I mentioned, there wasn't an interpretation. I want to just share the passage, one of the passages in the Bible that, that talks about this. It's 1 Corinthians 14, 18 through 19. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So that's pretty simple, straightforward. He's saying... You're going to get, this body is going to get more edification, more out of me saying five words that are intelligible than if I did 10,000 that you couldn't understand. It just isn't going to do you any good. You're going to be like, well, okay, that was interesting, um, but you don't get anything from it. So then we jump to verse 26, and he says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So, one, it needs to be edifying. The second is what I uh, referred to is like if there's not an interpretation, then you, you speak to yourself and to God. So saying, okay, if, if there's not going to be one, then just pray. You know, you, you can still pray. You can still speak that word. The Holy Spirit is still going to accomplish the word that, that he's saying. But if, if it's not going to be interpreted, then it's not going to edify the body and there's not going to be anything that comes from that. So I want to stop here for a second. And say, we also think that there's been times uh, where there is an interpretation. And, and by all means, if somebody's here that was here last Sunday that got it and was too scared to share it, 
come tell me, come tell Pastor Darrell, one of the other elders. Like, it's not too late. Like, if, if you heard it or wrote it down or remember it, um, but you just were like, I've never had this happen before. Um, we actually, this has probably been like two years ago. There was a lady who hadn't been to church in years. She'd gotten saved younger. She was questioning her faith in God. And um, there was a tongue in that service. And she was sitting there. This testimony came later, like a, a later in the week. She came with the friend that had brought her to church. And uh, she came to my office with her friend, and they shared this testimony. But she said, and I, that Sunday I was actually talking about the gift of tongues. And so when that started, her first thought was like, that's a plant. Like they, they, they did this to show, you know, like just as a con, I guess. And so that was her thought. That was her thought process. And then she said um, she heard a word and a, and a voice speak to her that said, listen. And she was, and she looked around her friend and to her left and was like, nobody just talked to me. So she was just sat there and says, listen harder. And so she's like, so I just started listening. And then she got the interpretation <laughs> and she could understand the words. And so, and she got freaked out, which I can understand. I've, I can, I've never gotten an interpretation. I've seen it. I've seen words given. I've seen interpretations. I've never got one. Um, so I can understand her, uh, you know, frightened state at that point. And so then we got up and we asked for interpretation because that's what the scripture says. And she was like, uh-uh. Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not standing up in front of all these people and talking. And so she came up later, but there was another one. And then there was another one that came up in the week. And all three of those went together, even though they didn't know the other ones. So... What I would say is it's possible there was one last Sunday and they just didn't come forth. But and, and if it, and if you got one, please share it with us. Um, so then verse thirty nine and forty. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. So I just want you to know. That every single time that occurs, and there's, I mean, some of you, every Sunday we have guests and visitors, so some of you uh, may be here for the first time, you don't have no idea what we're talking about, um, and and some of the, you might have been here last Sunday for your first time, and that happened, and you had no idea what was going on, but what we want you to know is it is scriptural, it's part of the Word of God, we honor it, we're not going to forbid it. But we're going to pray about it and seek the Lord every single time it happens and say, God, is this you? Was there interpretation? It is, is it like your word says? And if it's not, and the, it could be that the word is correct, but and somebody even has the interpretation. But let's say that happens two or three times and nobody's speaking up and they just aren't bold enough to speak out what they're receiving well, then we're not getting the edification, and that part's not happening. So what the Word says, at least for a time, keep it to yourself until somebody's going to be bold enough to share an edification. And I think God, the Holy Spirit would prompt again when it's time. Um, so anyway, that I do feel like uh, I think Pastor Darrell may be teaching on that in a month or so or a couple months and go a lot deeper in that. Um, but that's not our message this morning. What I do, uh, what I would say is if you ever have any question regarding anything that's said or done in any part of our worship service, um, a theological question, any general question, 
Ask me, ask Pastor Daryl, ask one of our elders, ask anybody with a name badge, and if they don't know, they'll point you to one of us. Um, but our heart is to seek the Lord and to give him a place to move and to follow scripture. And we're not going to stifle it, but we're also going to test it. And just, I, I hope you can trust us that we're not, um, we're not just letting go and saying, we're, well, we don't know, and so we're just going to sit to the side. No, we're seeking the Lord. We're asking him every single time, and that's our heart, is to give a place for the Holy Spirit to move and work. So the series that we're starting this morning has been on my heart for a few months now. And I thought it was going to be the topic for the last series that we did. But when we got to it, uh, God really put that idea of patient faith on my heart. And, and I just knew that this other one, like it wasn't ready yet. Uh, so in the meantime, he continued to pour scriptures and thoughts and words into me that related to what we're going to be talking about this morning. And it all started with one verse. And it was, like I said, it was months ago. I read this verse. I think it was just in my daily reading. And I could not get away from it. And it's kind of been in my head ever since then. Uh, it's Ephesians 4.29. And it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And in the Amplified Version, it reads, Do not let unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others according to the need and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Like I said, I just couldn't get it out of my head. It was so convicting. It was encouraging to see that, you know, God's encouraging us to let every word that comes out of our mouth be, have a purpose and encourage others. And at the same time, it's so hard because you read something like that and you just see how far uh, we fall short of that standard that it sets. And so that was the initial word that kept resonating in my mind was standard. And that word standard means a is an established or accepted measurement or value, a model of authority or excellence. And I thought that was going to be the title of the series, Standards. But it changed along the way. And we're going to come back to Ephesians 4 a little bit later in this series. Um, But while we're not starting out there today, I think it's important that we understand how God brought me to the place where we're going to be starting this morning. And I hope it helps you understand that God is always with you on the journey. He's he's constantly speaking to you. He's constantly reaching out to you. He's constantly uh, speaking words through people, through his word, if you're in the word. Uh, and, And to know that it's a process. It's not something that you just get and are done in a moment. Uh, so if you're hearing something, keep, ask him questions. Ask him what he's trying to tell you and keep digging into that. And I, like I said, I want to be transparent about that process with you this morning so you can kind of see an example of how he does that even in my life as he uh, leads me in an area that we're, we're going to see in a series like we're starting this morning. So Ephesians 4 had, had me stuck on that standard uh, word for a while, like I said, and then um, how we're called and created for something different. He has something more for us. And, and as I contemplated that and was reminded of that, he took me to 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A different kind of life flows out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
When we come to Jesus Christ, we don't lose the ability to sin in an instant. I know I don't have that testimony. Anybody here willing to say you have not sinned after you came to Jesus Christ? Not one hand. So guess what? Everybody else that's not raising your hand, you're not alone. We all continue to struggle, even walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We still inhabit this body of flesh. But I'm telling you, a life-giving change occurs. A transformation occurs when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You witnessed two baptisms just a moment ago. And that baptism is an outward sign of what God did in their, their spirit. Literally taking them from death to life. A spiritual death to a spiritual life. That was a resurrection we saw this morning. We saw two resurrections this morning. There is a transformation. There is a work that occurs. But we still live in this body. We still live in this flesh. And it's a process that God starts in our life to, uh, I use those big words in the prayer when I opened this morning, the sanctifying justification. That's a process of God. It's just saying continually cleaning you. Continually making you better. Continually maturing you. That's the process that starts at the moment that we come to Jesus Christ. So we find these attributes or values uh, like what we just read in Ephesians 4. And they're so challenging, like I said, because we seem to fall so short. But we could refer to them as standards for living. But if we're honest with ourselves, we've all probably asked ourselves, how can I live up to that standard? Or maybe you've tried to live up to those standards and you've fallen short and fallen short and it can get so discouraging. And again, I'd say if we're being honest with ourselves and I'm looking at my own life, I see that I'm falling miserably short of those standards outlined in the Bible. And I don't have to go back very far to find an example It wouldn't take me long to think or or ask my wife the last time she heard an unwholesome word come out of my mouth. But it goes much further than that. The scripture takes it to a whole nother level. It's not just an unwholesome word. It's a word that's not encouraging or building up others. I know I fall short of that every single day. It's such a high standard. And we're going to come back to that passage and some others in the, in the series as we progress. But it's important that we understand that these are areas um, where the Bible sets standards. And they're throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament. And they're there for a purpose. And as I mentioned, God continued to bring other things to my attention that all seemed to circle around the same topic. He used books that I was reading, people that I was talking to, circumstances. And one of those people was Amy Spears, who was with us just a few weeks ago. The, the primary verse that she said that her counseling ministry is based off of is Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed. Renew your mind. It sounds a lot like a new creation, doesn't it? 
Something totally different, totally new. Could Romans 12 be referring to a different kind of standard than the one that the world tries to set for us? And then in the last two weeks, I was reminded of a series that Pastor Darrell had preached just over a year ago in January of 2022. It just came to mind, and I vaguely remembered that he had referenced this word standard uh, during that series. His series was titled Recalibration. And if, or recalibrate. And if you, if you weren't here then or missed those, I'd suggest going back and listening to them. They're still on our website and it was, it was a fantastic series. But that word recalibrate in that series came to mind and I actually asked him to, I was like, send me your notes. I want to look back at that because something, uh, there's something in that I need to pull out. And so that word recalibrate means to calibrate again. And the word calibrate means to check or adjust by comparison with a standard. And there's that word. Remember, a standard is the base by which something is measured. The model of authority or excellence. To recalibrate would be to adjust back to that standard of authority or excellence. Why would we need to do that? Because we drift away from standards. We can fall short It doesn't take much self-reflection on a passage like Ephesians 4 for us to see that we're falling short of the standard that's set in Scripture. So after Amy shared with us uh, two weeks ago, the very next day, that Monday, Candy and I left for a, a short marriage retreat that week. And it was led by Pastor Jimmy Evans and a few other amazing couples uh, they shared some of their own personal testimonies of things that they went through in their marriage. Powerful, powerful witnesses uh, and examples of God's ability to restore something that you would think is unredeemable. Things that you would have thought there's no way they could have survived that, but they didn't just survive, they were victorious. And it was because God did a transforming work in their life. They weren't perfect in the midst of the problems. And they weren't perfect there a week and a half ago when we were there. But they were more perfect than they were. God had sanctified them more. He'd healed them more. He'd made them more whole. And He'd done a work in their marriages that gave them a testimony of God's power. And while we were there, Pastor Jimmy shared something that was right along the same lines that God's been speaking to me. And I believe he used Pastor Jimmy's words to lead me to where we need to start this morning. He had taken me from standards to contemplating how we're called to a new life and transformation. And he reminded me of our need to recalibrate. And then finally to the bedrock, literally, of what this series is going to be on. Foundations. Foundations. Well, we've made it through the introduction. Are you ready? Are you ready for the message? You got the title. That's how far we've made it. All these words and topics are related. But if we're going to get to the root of the issue... And really, it should be the plural, the roots of the issues. How many of y'all only have one issue? (laughs) And me neither. We need God to work on the roots of all of our issues. But we have to start with the foundation. 
First and foremost, Jesus Christ is our rock and unmovable foundation. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Every other standard, every other foundation is sand. If we build on anything else, everything we build will come crumbling down at some point. The only solid foundation is Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what values or standards we try to follow. Did you know if you try to build your life on the standard that I read in Ephesians 4, but don't start on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it will fall? Every word, every standard in this Bible, every encouragement, every good thing that God put in this that He meant for our best can only be built successfully on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We, we can't do it without Him. We can't follow Him without Him. Notice that Jesus didn't say that you couldn't build on the sand. I don't think that ever stood out to me before. They got a house up. You had two houses, one built on rock and one built on sand. They got something built. And it worked for a while. They lived in it for a while. It might have even been comfortable for a while. But the winds came. And the rain poured. And the flood came. And the house that was built on the rock of Jesus Christ did not move. And the one that was built on the sand fell. And not only did it fall, great was its fall. How many houses have you had fall down? I don't think most of us learn with just one collapse. We build a house and it falls. And we think... Well, that wasn't a good foundation. Maybe if I go down the beach a little ways. This looks like a little bit better sand than the last sand I built on. And we get another house built. And it's comfortable for a while. And then the wind comes. And the rain pours. And the flood comes. And great as its fall. And we go down the beach a little ways. How many times is it going to take before we say, maybe we should try the rock? Maybe we should find the foundation that's Jesus Christ. Let's see if it works. It's regarding giving, but there is one passage that God said, test me. I think he talks about Christ being the foundation enough that he's saying, test me. Try to build on it. Build something on it and see if it won't stand. 
There's only one perfect foundation. The unmovable foundation. The unfailing foundation of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Can it be said any clearer? Any more straightforward? 1 Corinthians 10.4 tells us that the rock that God used to give the children of Israel water after they had uh, been delivered from Egypt was the same foundation The rock of Jesus Christ. It says, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was crucified in Revelation before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ wasn't God's plan B. He was always plan A. When Abraham looked ahead in faith, Scripture tells us that he was looking ahead to Christ. And when God gave water to the Israelites in the Old Testament, he's telling us the rock was Christ. The foundations never changed. It's always been the same. So this next passage is the one that Pastor Jimmy shared that kind of took me to this point of foundations. And it it just highlighted the importance of foundations. And it's Psalms 11, 1 through 3. And it's written by David. He said, In the Lord I take refuge. That word can also be trust. How can you say to my soul, Flee like a bird to your mountain. For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. And if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If you know much about David, you know that he was in danger many times. And he was in constant danger of those who opposed him. And that second half of verse 1 says he's getting counsel to run away. And that word flee is actually plural. So it's not like just him. It's like get all your people together and run. Because the enemy's coming. And they're going to get you. So run away. But David exposes the strategy of the enemy. And he says the enemy is hiding in the darkness in order to destroy the righteous. And to destroy the foundations of righteousness that they're called to protect. And I love how David starts out his response in verse 1. The first words he says as he's writing this is not the advice that he's given. But his response to their advice. And he says, I'm going to take refuge and put my trust in the Lord. David trusts in God to protect him as he defends the foundations of righteousness that the enemy wants to destroy. Now, we know that the foundation that's written here uh, cannot be talking about Jesus Christ. The enemy has no shot at, at defeating or destroying Christ. The enemy can't even touch him. But he's coming after the things that we build on that foundation, that house that Jesus said we're going to build on the foundation. If we build on the rock, he says it's going to stand. If we build on the sand, he's going to be able to take it out. 
So he comes after us and the word tells us he comes to seek to steal, kill and destroy. He wants to destroy us and the foundations, the standards that God has set in place for our good. And not just for our good, but for our best. He wants the best for you, the best for us. And David's response to the attacks of the enemy is not to run away. He takes refuge in the Lord and he says, we're going to stand and fight. And I know we're going to win. Because the Lord is with us. He's our refuge. We can trust him. But he's saying it's not in his own strength, his own power, but by the spirit, by the power of God. How many circumstances have you been in where your first reaction, the thing that that seems so natural to do is run away, withdraw, hide, get to safety. Maybe we'll survive. But God's not calling us to survive. He's calling us to be victorious. But he's calling us to trust in him. To trust that He's our refuge. He's our hope. He's our foundation that we can count on. And He will not fail us. David knew the truth that we find in Isaiah 59.19. It says, so, they shall, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west. And his glory from the rising of the sun, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. We don't have to uphold the standard. God promises he will. He gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ in Christ. He's the standard. He's the rock. He's the foundation. The truth is so encouraging. God is going to be victorious. And He wants to stand with us, but He's calling us to stand. For the rest of the series, we're going to look at the foundations and the standards that God has put in place, not just for us to live by, but for us to fight for and protect. We're not called to run away. It doesn't mean that we go out and just beat people with with the standards. If we're on the rock of Jesus Christ, we're going to love them. And there's a verse that says, don't go out looking for other people's faults when you've got a plank in your own eye. This is for us. We start with us. We ask God what He wants to do in us. And how we can love those people around us. What does that word in Ephesians 4 say? Don't let any word come out of your mouth that doesn't show encouragement and love. That's what's to us. We can't meet the standard. Not unless we build on the rock of Jesus Christ. And let Him transform us and renew us. And when the enemy comes and when people around you advise you to run away and try to survive, put your trust in the Lord. Stand your ground. Engage. 
with truth and love in Christ Jesus. And your house won't fall. God Himself will uphold the standard. It's not in our own power or strength. It's walking with Him, knowing Him, hearing His voice and responding to Him. And the Spirit of the Lord will uphold the standard. Will you stand with us as we close in worship? We're going to start working on it, giving more time for response, for uh, whether it's in your seat, whatever the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now. Uh, one of our elders, Mike, is in the back. You could go pray with him. If you feel led to come to the altar, you can do that. But we're going to worship and, and have time to respond. I ask, ask the Holy Spirit what he's speaking to you this morning. Because there's no question that the enemy is on the attack. He's attacking you. He's attacking your children. He's attacking your marriage. There's no question that he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But our response isn't to run and hide. Ask God to be your refuge. Trust Him. Put your hope in Him. Put your faith in Him. And stand on Jesus Christ. And your house will not fall.
thank you for giving us the bedrock of Jesus Christ. The unmovable foundation. Lord, that we can build on with confidence and faith and put all of our hope, all of our trust and never be let down. In Romans 8, there's a list of attacks, things that the enemy comes against us with. And Paul's response starts in verse 37. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You aren't called to survive. You're called to be victorious in Christ Jesus. Lord, it's not something we do in our own strength or in our own power. Our hope, our trust, our faith is in you and you alone. And we're putting it all on Christ. We trust you. Father, give us boldness. Fill us with the boldness of your Holy Spirit to go and proclaim your truth. And more importantly than anything we could ever say, let us live it. Let us live it and show the love of Christ. Show the transformed life that you've done in us. Be an example. Lord, we, your word says that we should be ready for when people come to us asking a reason for our faith. Well, if we're no different, they're not going to ask us anything. Father, if we have a, if we have a house built on the sand this morning, will you break it down soon? that we might go now to the rock to start over today, this morning, even if it's with the first brick building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that we'll never turn to any other foundation again. Lord, this is what we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, I am so glad that you are with us this morning. Be blessed. We're going to be praying for you this week that God is going to work victoriously and miraculously in your life as you seek to follow him. Be blessed. Everything that we're doing at New Covenant Church during the month of February is on our handout that's available outside in the lobby on the table. I do have a few quick changes to announce, though. We print these up one time and, you know, to try to save trees. We don't reprint them every week as things change. Uh, one thing that's probably not on here that you need to know about is we support the Lampasas Mission. They help the less fortunate here in the community with food and services. So they're going to have a cornbread dinner on Tuesday night, February 7th, in our fellowship hall. We'd like for you to come enjoy that dinner. And your admission is easy. Bring a canned good or a non-perishable food item, and they will use that to bless other people in the community. So you get food and get to bless somebody else at the same time. Uh, this Wednesday, February 8th, we've got a couple things going on. One is our once-a-month marriage ministry potluck dinner over at Common Ground. So if you're a married couple and you'd like to sit and fellowship and eat food with some other married couples, we have a short discussion. And this month, our theme for the potluck is going to be bring something in a bowl. Super Bowl, soup, salad, ice cream comes in a bowl, just so you know, all right? Another thing happening on Wednesday night is we are going to uh, reschedule, we've rescheduled the uh, Answer to Anxiety 
uh, pod, uh, not podcast, but broadcast that the women's group was going to do on Monday night. The answer to anxiety on Monday was uh, trust Jesus Christ and stay off the ice. So we've rescheduled what they were supposed to do on Monday because of weather to this Wednesday night. So 620 in the fellowship hall. See Casey Smart if you have questions about that. Um, another uh, few more things. February the 11th, it's a Saturday. Men, grab your neighbor, grab your son. Uh, another man that you would like to introduce to church in a very easy environment. Men's breakfast, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a local speaker there. And lastly, Sunday night, next Sunday night on the 12th, we will not have youth services so that the youth can spend time with their friends and family watching the Super Bowl. All right? Stand up with me this morning. We're not going to talk about who's playing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's stand up this morning and get ready to praise and worship. Father God, thank you so much for all your provision. Your son, Jesus Christ, is the answer to everything in our lives. Father God, we thank you that this morning you will bring healing. Father God, thank you this morning that you will bring answers and interpretations to issues and problems that we're facing in our life. Father God, thank you this morning that you will give us counseling for relationships that we're struggling with right now. And Father God, I thank you that you bring us all good things because of who you are. To glorify your kingdom this morning, Father God, thank you for receiving our praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message.